days called the Great Tridrum or Tridrum Sacrum, which includes Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. This is the time where our spiritual journey finds its meaning, the mystery of Christ's death and the resurrection, and our call to die to our own way of life so that we can be raised to new life in order to follow the pattern, the life, and the ways of Jesus Christ. And of course, we look forward to the resurrection that comes on Easter because that is central to the Christ event. And to our rising as well, we can't really separate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. However, we allow ourselves to be in this moment, this time, these great three days, because there would be no Sunday if there wasn't a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So we do not rush too quickly to Easter Sunday. We journey with Jesus Christ. And we enter into this moment, this day, this time with Him. And when God came to us in Jesus Christ, He didn't come to fill our heads with nice ideas or even to fill our hearts with warm feelings. He came to heal the world. He came to make all things new. He came to do that for individuals and also for communities. He came to do it for the whole cosmos, the whole world. So Jesus gave us a meal together, a meal to share, a way that would tell his story more powerfully than any other way. This meal told the story of the Passover when God rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And as a sign, because of the blood of the lamb on the doorposts passed over their houses on the night the Egyptians were being judged for sin. And of course, we read that in our text this evening. Jesus deliberately chose this Passover meal as the framework to give his followers from that day to this a way not simply of understanding his death, but of being healed and forgiven and renewed and transformed by it. So Passover spoke powerfully of God rescuing the Israelites, His people, making them new and sending them off toward the promised land. So they were to be on mission as God's people, blessed to be a blessing to the world. So Jesus' new Passover speaks even more powerfully of God now rescuing His people in a full and final way, making them His own in a new and complete way, and sending them out into the world with the task of embodying the message through their lifestyle and sharing His good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. In other words, He sent them on mission to make disciples who make disciples. So John 13, 34 and 35 tells us, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So we go on day by day and week by week, breaking bread and pouring out wine in remembrance of Him. And it's important to remember what is happening when we do that. St. Paul declares that every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until He comes. So when we do this, even if it's in just a small group of us during a daily mass or in a nursing home or a hospital 
or with a crowd on Sunday, we are actually announcing to the world, to the principalities and powers that keep people enslaved, fearful, and angry, that Jesus is Lord and that His death and resurrection has broken the power of sin, fear, sorrow, and shame, among many other things. So this meal is part of our journey through grief, acting out the dying of Jesus within which our own pain can be held and dealt with, and also part of our mission because it is the powerful declaration that on the cross of Jesus Christ, the living God has dealt with all that distorts and damages human life. And this meal propels us to go. Go out into the world, our families, our neighborhoods, our work, with confidence that God is already there. He's already at work. That Jesus is Lord. That the Holy Spirit can and does heal and renew and change and transform. This evening is called Maundy Thursday, and the word Maundy comes from a Latin word which means commandment, because at the Last Supper, Jesus gave them a new commandment to love one another as He had loved them. So today, we are reminded to follow in the way of Jesus to love one another. But while this sounds quite nice and fluffy, it's not so easy to do. People are tricky. They let us down. They mess up. And they ignore, upset, and reject us. Now, I'm just talking about our family and friends and church uh, people. (laughs) But loving when we don't feel like it is difficult to do. It's not like the disciples haven't heard about love before. But when Jesus gets down into a lowly position and serves them from the floor, when he utters those words, love one another, it took on a whole new meaning. These are words for us to dwell on, to ponder over, to think through, to ask ourselves the hard questions. Do I? Do I really love people around me? Do I only love the ones who are easy to love? Or do I expect others to love me first? Tough questions, especially if we don't like the answers. So we reflect on the words of Jesus because apparently... When we love unconditionally, when we care, when we serve, when we give ourselves without any strings attached, it's quite possible that we'll begin to be known as his disciples. But please hear this. He just didn't tell them. He did it himself and he showed them how to do it. That is why on Monday, Thursday, we wash one another's feet to recapture something of that sense of love and action. And that's the point. It's about the actions. On this day, we are reminded that love is not just a feeling, but grace and love enacted with a towel and a basin. Jesus went out from the Last Supper to give himself up literally and physically for his friends and for the whole world. He wants us to make his kingdom known in the world by our love and our service. And the best way to do it is to be attentive to the presence of Jesus at work in the world around us. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that respond. Here we are with the Last Supper and Jesus' astonishing action of washing the disciples' feet and saying, 
Now we've seen it, go and do it. And we remember the Passover story, which is all about God setting people free from slavery and bondage. Now let's ask ourselves, where is their bondage and slavery and captivity and oppression in Belmont Heights or in all of Long Beach this evening? And what is God doing about it? There are people who have lost hope and are angry and bitter. There are people who are trapped in unemployment and chained to alcohol, drugs, sex, and all kinds of addictions. There are those afraid to go outside because of what is happening on the streets where they live. And we need to ask in relation to all of them, what would it look like for them to be set free from that slavery? And how can our celebration of Jesus' new Passover, the Eucharist, the washing of feet, the lifestyle of servanthood, equip us to be part of the answer? On Good Friday, many churches will talk about bringing things to the foot of the cross, whether it is memories and sorrows, hopes and fears, anger and illness, and I guess the list goes on and on. And in part, we will mention this tomorrow ourselves. However, the Eucharist is itself the model, the regular way of doing just that. And this is why we do it every Sunday and even during the week, as often as possible in remembrance of Him. Some people from other traditions say, now we don't want to have Holy Communion that often because we don't want to take it for granted. We, we don't want it to get old. However, we gather together, we sing and pray, and we hear sermons every week. Married couples share in sexual intimacy often. Does that get old? Maybe if it was just symbolic and Jesus was not there to meet us in it, once a month or once a quarter just might be enough. But for us, it's, it's more than just symbolic. Christ says this is His body, this is His blood. Now how does that happen? I frankly don't know. I just believe them. As a pastor, I often listen to all kinds of stories of pain, grief, unforgiveness, and anger as people find their lives in a mess. I know I don't have all the answers, but I try to listen and I try to love and pray and I try to be fully present and attentive to others. However, I also encourage them to come to the Lord's table, the altar, to bring their problems, offer them up with open hands, and then receive Jesus' own life in return. There is the hope of freedom, of change, of Jesus breaking in. God's kingdom coming in their devastation. Not because there's magic in the Eucharist, we've talked about this before, but because Jesus promises to feed and nourish and meet us there. Sometimes fireworks go off and big things happen instantly, but if God is going to hear our prayers this holy week and do new things in our hearts and lives and in this church by working through our sense of loss and pain and in light of the story of Jesus Christ, it certainly doesn't mean that suddenly hundreds of people are going to flood into our church and hundreds of new houses are going to be built within a month here in Long Beach for the homeless and crime and drugs will immediately stop and all of our problems in our lives are going to be resolved this evening. No. 
Jesus often told parables about sowing seeds, about things growing little by little. Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And how do we see change in a city? And how do we see change in a world of overwhelming despair? One conversation at a time. One act of kindness at a time. One act of hospitality at a time. One cup of coffee or one glass of wine at a time. Now just pick your choice. You know, pick which either one you want. One meal at a time. One gathering around the fire pit having s'mores at a time. It's one life at a time. These are signs of hope. Some new things are happening in our lives in All Saints Cathedral, in the Belmont Heights community, in the cities in which we live. However, more good things will happen tonight, this week, this month, this year, as we press in and Jesus meets us in the Eucharist and in prayer and in worship. And through the Word. And Jesus meets others through us as we serve them with a towel and a basin. As we go and we put into actions our faith. One act of kindness at a time. I think I've shared this story probably several times before. But when Dawn and I felt led of God to leave the United States and move to London, we knew no one. And we... we, we're obedient, we went, and we literally know, knew no one. And it's like, in looking at the, all the people in, in London and thought, where do we start? How do we go about this? This is overwhelming. We just felt swallowed. We were just nobodies. And the only thing that kept us straight and moving forward was remembering it was one life at a time. And God, shockingly, well, why, why was I shocked? I'm not, well, I was. I'll just be honest with you. It was amazing to see what God did because we were faithful one life at a time. Our job is to bring all of these concerns one at a time, the stuff out there and in here to the meal which speaks of the cross where Jesus meets us with himself. And we sow the seeds of prayer and faith as we wait in the darkness of Monday, Thursday, as we stand at the cross itself. We wait with hope. As we wait with hope, we serve God and others with a towel and a basin. Also, toward the end of the service, we will have the stripping of the altar. The stripping of the altar did not grow out of a liturgical decision that was made from on high. Instead, this tradition developed over something very practical simply because the altar guild and churches around the world needed to strip the altar after the Monday Thursday in preparation for the bare, stark altar on Good Friday. So people stayed after the worship service to watch this, to observe. And it was soon experienced as a powerful and spiritual moment. Now today, the stripping and the washing of the altar is a vital part of the Monday Thursday worship service for many, but not all. I encourage you to be present, to pay attention, to be fully in the moment. Let Christ meet us and transform us. Let this service and all the services of Holy Week order our spirituality. On Monday, Thursday, we are washing feet. It's what Jesus told us to do. We're celebrating the Eucharist. 
This is the table of the Lord for the whole body of Christ who have been baptized and who apprentice their lives around Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, and King. But remember that washing the feet is symbolic of something much larger. It's putting love into action every day of our life. You know, during this week, we're going to feel like Judas. We'll ask ourselves, are we going to depart? We'll feel like Peter. Will we deny him? Sometimes we'll feel like John and we'll lay our head upon his breast and rest. And then the altar is stripped bare. Will we remain? With each piece removed, will we feel the layers of our own soul being peeled away? And we will leave in silence alone in our own heart. I'd like to close by reading a song from the Celtic Daily Prayer Book. It says, Brothers and sisters, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. We are pilgrims on a journey and companions on the road. We are here to help each other walk the mile and bear the load. I will hold the Christ light for you in the nighttime of your fear. I will hold my hand hand out to you, speak the peace that you long to hear. I will weep when you are weeping, and when you laugh, I'll laugh with you. I will share your joy and sorrow till we've seen this journey through. When we sing to God in heaven, we shall find such harmony. Born of all we've known together of Christ's love and agony. Brother and sister, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. Amen. Fellow servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night before his death, Jesus set an example for his disciples by washing their feet, an act of humble service. He taught that strength and growth in the life of the kingdom of God come not by worldly power and authority, but by such lowly service. Therefore, I invite you who have been appointed as representatives of the congregation and who share in the royal priesthood of Christ to come forward that we may recall those servants that we are by following the example of our Master. I invite you to come now remembering his admonition that what will be done for you is also to be done by you to others. Engrave on your hearts and mirror in your actions Jesus' words, A servant is not greater than his Master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So we had an opportunity for people to be able to sign up at the kiosk. And if I remember correctly, uh, there were five out of 12 signups. And one of those five is sick. So if maybe those four are taken, that means we have eight other spots that uh, I invite you to consider uh, filling. And so um, I remember uh, the way we do, do it now. Um, churches do it different ways. The history of all saints is, is the clergy would wash all the feet. A few years ago, we did something a little bit different. The clergy 
started and washed the first person's feet, and then they washed the next person's feet, and then they washed the next. And so that's what we're going to be doing uh, this evening. And so if you would like, if you've signed up, or you would like to come and uh, participate in this very meaningful moment, I invite you to come. So while you're uh, coming, I want to remind you also, it's very kind. I know what the scripture says whenever Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. And he says, well, if you don't have your feet washed, then you're not going to, what, enter in? He said, well, then wash all of me. So I'm very mindful of that. I'm very mindful of that. But now having said that, this is not a time, even though some people want to wash the clergy's feet, and, and there is a time for that. But this isn't the time. This is an opportunity for us.